0: Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about a Second Student's ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast. We do series, and every month is a new series. So, obviously, it's May 2nd. So, we are starting a new series. So, before we get into the message today, this what the scripture I want to talk to you about what our series is going to be about because I feel like it's a really important one and one that is very necessary for us as believers and just as people. So, the series title for this month is called Check Yourself. And so what that means is that throughout this month, we are going to look at the importance, we're going to look at why we need to examine examine our hearts. And so we know that we live in a fallen and we live in a broken world, and so there are always going to be things we need to work on. There's always going to be things that we need to get better at. That is just the reality of the world we live in, and it's crucial to our faith, it's crucial to us as believers for us to examine our hearts, to see what is happening within us so that we can Um, make it better, and so that we can become new. So I want to read one verse to you. You've probably heard it before. It's Proverbs 4.23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And I know you've heard that before, but the reality is that the source of your actions, the source of your thoughts, and the the source of everything that you do really comes from your heart. And like I said before, we are sinful and broken, and we live in this world that's crazy, so we need to be born again with a new heart through faith in Jesus, and we have to constantly be examining what is happening in our hearts. Everything we do flows from our hearts, so we have to work to protect it. It's not something we can just passively um, do. It's something we have to actively work to protect and fight against, and so that's what we're going to be talking about all month. Each week we have a different. different topic we're going to be tackling and talking about how we can examine our hearts. So today the topic that we're going to be tackling is idolatry and I know you've all heard that before. So I looked up the definition of idolatry and the definition that that I found is extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. That's idolatry. So as believers If you've grown up in church, you know that we are called to admire, to love, and to honor God above everything else. But because we are broken, because um, there's an enemy working to get us to pull us away from God, there are always going to be things that are tempted to overtake that, that God's place in our lives. God is supposed to be number one. He's supposed to be supreme in our lives. But sometimes the enemy likes to put things in our way that will tend to overtake God or will tend to start thinking about these things more than we think about God and pull us away from loving and adoring and admiring God above all else. So that's our topic for today. And we're going to look at a story from Exodus. We're going to look at the Israelites and something and they struggled with this, too. This isn't a new thing. The Israelites struggled with this back in Exodus, and we struggle with it here today. I know that I've struggled with it throughout my life. Um, different things have come in, and if you're honest with yourself, I bet you have, too. And so before we read in Exodus 32, if, if y'all want to turn there, before we read, I just want to give you a little bit of context about what's going on. So the Israelites, um, they had just been delivered. They had just been rescued out of Egypt. Um, Pharaoh was awful to the Israelites he did not want them he hated them and so God long story short rescued them from Egypt and brought them out and so the Israelites are together and they're kind of thinking like what do we do now and then we see we're gonna read what happens. so um, I'm gonna start in verse 1 it says when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain they gathered around Aaron and said come Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and go up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast into the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. So there's a lot happening here. And one thing that I don't want you to do is immediately tune out because... I know this is something that happened a long time ago, and this is not something that would in, that anything that would happen today, but the reality is that we are just like these people. So there's a few things I want to point out. Idolatry can tend to take over in our lives when we are unwilling to wait on the Lord. Idolatry can take over in our lives when we are unwilling to wait on the Lord. If you notice in verse 1, It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. So these people were getting restless. They were getting anxious. They didn't know what to do because they were so impatient with what Moses was doing. And what Moses was actually doing when he was away from the Israelites is that he was getting instruction on how to build the tabernacle. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, the tabernacle is where God's presence dwelled and he was with the people. And so the Israelites got impatient and they couldn't wait any longer. So they said, Hey, we need something to follow. We need something to worship. So they settled for a golden calf, which sounds so crazy, but in reality, we are just like them and we do that all the time. They became impatient and they settled for something that was less than what God wanted for them. They thought they had a better idea, they thought they had a better plan that was a quick fix or something that they could do easily. And they were unwilling to wait on the Lord. And that's what happens to us when we idolize certain things. We lose faith that, that what God has for us is best for us, and we just run to, the ne- to what we think is the next best thing. He, but something that he sees that we know is that he sees the whole picture, and we do not. He knows what's going to happen in a year. He knows what's going to happen in a week. He sees the whole picture, and we do not. So think to yourself, when you pray, when you ask for something, are you willing to wait on the Lord, or do you just want a quick fix or an answer right away? Because idolatry can easily creep in when you are unwilling to wait on the Lord, just like these Israelite people. The second thing I want to point out is that the Israelites, I was actually talking to a friend the other day, this is a true story, I was talking to one of my closest friends, and she's doing a book study through the Old Testament. Also, and we were talking about this message, and she was like, it's crazy to see how stupid the Israelites were. She said that to me, and I said, I know, they're crazy. They mess up time after time again. God rescues them. God protects them time and time again, but they constantly mess up. They constantly turn away from God. They constantly do the wrong thing. She said, it's crazy how stupid the Israelites were, and I said, I know, but we are exactly like them. We are exactly like the Israelites, right? We don't know what's going on. We, all the time, we mess up. We turn away from God. We think we have all the answers, but we are just like the Israelites. Despite all God had done for them, despite everything that he protected them from, the Israelites still created and worship an idol, which seems crazy to us today because we can read the whole story. We can, we can see how things turn out, and we can see the whole picture of this story, That's how God is for us. He sees the whole story and we do not. And so it's easy for us to read this and criticize the Israelites, right? It's easy for us to read this and say, they're so dumb. Why would they do that? And have a bunch of criticism for them. But we have to remember that we are just like them. We can see the whole story in here, but God can see our whole story. God is offering us more than we could ever deserve, more than we could ever want. And we constantly turn to idols. We constantly turn to to the things that will never satisfy us like God will satisfy us. We are just like the Israelites. And so whenever you begin to realize that, you can read stories like this, and you can pray and ask God that God would give you wisdom to to seek him so that you wouldn't be like the Israelites. I want to read a little bit more of the story, because at the end of the story, we see that The idolatry that the Israelites were struggling with, it wasn't something God was just okay with. It was something that actually made God very angry, and he was not pleased with it. So I want to read, um, starting in verse 10. It says, Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord and said, favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on these people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all the land I promised them. And it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. So God was so angry. He said, I'm going to destroy these people. He was so fed up. He had saved them time after time again. And God was angry. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord. And it says that God did not bring on the disaster he had threatened. All throughout the Bible, um, God is described as a jealous God. And I used to think that was kind of weird. Because whenever I think of someone being jealous, I normally think of like a friendship or um, a romantic relationship. But that's not the case here. God is a jealous God because he wants to have supreme and ultimate authority in our hearts. And when things start to take over in our hearts, whether it's popularity, whether it's your looks, whether it's um, being the best on the basketball team or getting into the college, all these things—it's going to be different for every single one of you. When all of those things ta- start to reign supreme in your heart, God isn't okay with that. He's jealous for you. He wants to have that ultimate, um, that ultimate authority and that ultimate it, place in your heart. He's not okay with that. He gets jealous for you, and so. One thing I need to point out is luckily due to God's grace, he's not going to destroy us. He's not going to send a plague or anything like that because we know that Jesus has come to fulfill all of those things. But it doesn't diminish the fact that God is still jealous for you. He hates when things um, overpower, overpower himself in your heart. We know that even though God isn't going to strike us down or anything like that, that but we know that there are still punishments for our sins. And idolatry is a sin. There are punishments for our sins. The desire of our hearts as believers should be to, to please and to honor God above everything else. As believers, we should want to please God above everything else. But I, I was thinking, what is the ultimate consequence of idolatry? What is... What is um, Like, what is the worst that could happen? And I just kept coming back to this thing, is that idolatry will always break your heart. It will always break your heart. Some of you will strive to be the best on the team. Some of you will strive to be the most popular. Some of you will strive to look the best, or whatever it is. Some of you will get those things that you're striving for. You will be popular, you will be accepted. Maybe some of you will be famous. Some of you will get your dream job. Some of you will get those things. Others of you won't get the things you want. You won't get um, your dream job. You won't get all of these things. But if you do get those things, you will find that these things will never fulfill and satisfy you like you thought they would. They will not completely, com- complete you like you thought you would. You will still have that void in your heart that only God can fill by being supreme in your lives. God has a standard for us. I like to call them barriers. God puts up a lot of barriers for us and they're not to um, they're not to be mean or to um, they're not to be mean or to make us have no fun but they're there for our protection and God has a standard for us to have no other gods before him and so, For you in this room today as a high school student, idols can look a lot different for you than it can for me than it can from the person sitting next to you. They can be really obvious things sometimes, or they can be really subtle things sometimes. And so, I want you to think about your day, your week. And I want you to, maybe you do this for a week where you write down your thoughts. And what are most of your thoughts, what are you thinking about? That's a really good way to kind of analyze and examine your heart to see, hey, what am I thinking about? What am I striving for? What idol is in my life? Whatever you think about, whatever you talk about, that's most likely an idol or something that's on its way to potentially be an idol in your life. And so if you have something, which if you do have something, you're a human, okay? That's completely normal. So recognize what it is. Tell somebody, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your small group leader, Ask God to remove that idol in your life or ask God to make your thoughts less about those things and more about him. And something really practical that I started doing that has been a game changer for me is to set daily reminders on my phone to talk and to pray with God. Because the reality is if you're not talking, if you're not praying to him, he's not going to be ultimate authority. The ultimate. He's not going to have the ultimate place in your heart. So think about what you think, what are your, most of your thoughts, what do you talk about the most, that's most likely an idol, or something that has the danger and the potential to be an idol. Think about those things, and don't be scared, because you probably all have one, because I know I do. Think about those things. Tell someone, ask God to, to remove that idol from your life, and just talk to him about it. He wants to know you, your thoughts, more than anything else. Um, And so when I read this story, I'm encouraged because even though we are just like the Israelites, and that can be kind of scary and um, kind of overwhelming, we see God protect them and show his grace to them time and time again, and that's the same thing that he does for us. So I want you to take um, maybe this week to analyze your hearts. This whole month we're going to be talking about check yourself. That's the whole title of the series, like I said. So analyze your heart, see what needs to change, because if you're not willing to change, God certainly can't change it.